place. Especially once I got to wherever I was being taken and the questions began. We'd been walking through long white hallways for a while, so we had to be getting closer to our destination, except I didn't know how close. This entire sprawling complex was made out of composite, a super-tough building material churned out by the recyclers. Every wall, floor and ceiling was the same. Smooth, pale and embedded with tiny flecks of colour that caught the light. I'd always thought composite was kind of pretty, but being surrounded by so much of it made me feel lost. It was difficult to tell exactly where in the detention centre I was. Worse still, I wasn't even sure I knew who I was anymore. This morning I'd smiled at a fellow prisoner, a dark-haired, brown-skinned girl dressed in white detainee shirt and pants. She'd seemed so frail, so defeated, that I'd wanted to cheer her up. Then I'd realised I was looking in a mirror. It had been a dreadful shock. How could I have changed so much that only caught me yesterday? Surely I wasn't. Surely I couldn't be. That sad-eyed girl. At least not where it counted, not on the inside because she'd seemed terrifyingly vulnerable, as if she were the kind of girl who might tell secrets to the government, the kind who could be broken by the machine. I stumbled, tripping over my own feet. My guard put out a hand to steady me and I jerked away. He let his hand fall and I gazed at him resentfully, thinking that he was every bit the ideal enforcer. Dark hair brushed precisely into place black uniform perfectly fitted to his lean, muscled body, and a Rhondorite sword in a sheath at his hip. Ever since the two of us had left the hospital, I'd been half expecting him to say something, but he'd remained utterly, emotionlessly silent. Justin Connor, coldly perfect and perfectly cold. Georgie had been more right than she knew when she had compared him to those old-world sculptures that flanked the entrance to the Gull City Museum. But even as I thought that, unwelcome memories crowded into my mind of times when Connor had been something very different from the aloof stranger who walked beside me now. I suddenly felt like crying, and with what was no doubt an enforcer's instinct for weakness— He chose that exact second to glance down at me. If he notices I'm upset, I really will die. Taking a breath, I blurted out the first thing that came into my head. Georgie thinks you look like an angel. One eyebrow soared upward. Uh, what? An angel, I repeated. My voice, to my relief, was steady and I concentrated on pouring as much scorn as I could into it. A human with wings? Like the old world statues, but you're not. In fact, there's barely anything human about you. They're not real. I glared at him. What's not real? Angels. Then why, I demanded, does Hoffman say they walked the earth during the reckoning? I didn't think you'd read Hoffman's Histories of the Reckoning. Every word of the entire fifteen volumes. Or at least, I'd had bits of the fifteen volumes recited to me by Ember, 
which was virtually the same thing. Well, Connor said dryly, those angels were supposed to be messengers of some kind of god. Since a lot of people thought the reckoning was a holy judgment on humanity, it's likely they imagined the angels. Because even if there were any gods, they didn't cause the reckoning. Everyone knows it was humanity's abuse of the environment that made the life-sustaining systems of the Earth collapse. I fell silent, wondering if he was lying about the angels. If they did still exist, the Bureau of Citizenship probably had them locked up somewhere, since the government wouldn't be any keener on humans with wings than they were on humans with abilities. On the other hand... It had been over 300 years since the reckoning, so maybe the angels had died out long ago. Or maybe they cut off their wings so they could blend in and survive.